Abba Yahweh, grace given to me yet again for another day, breathing life into my lungs to bring me up and give me the opportunity to share your word, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, Father God. And you bless me so much by allowing me to do this, by allowing me to be your conduit, Father God. Abba Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Barakvitos, Aman. So, <clears throat> brother and sister, this morning, Holy Spirit's roused me early. It's got me thinking on these things. I was listening to one of my mentors last night, and the Holy Spirit has it stirring in my heart and my mind. And I'm going to tag on a couple other things that are very predominant that I think that are being, that individuals are being misinformed, misled, and mistreated. So I'm going to share that, but. What I'm going to do first is I'm going to go to Luke, the second chapter. And I'm going to share part of the scripture with you. This is Luke chapter 2 has to do with the birth of Christ. Somewhat. But more importantly, it has to do with the gospel. You'll understand in a minute. And starting in Luke 2, starting at verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came up upon them. I'm getting goosebumps and I'm getting shakes. I'm getting a little emotional here. Pardon me. Came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Or if I may paraphrase here, as Jesus says, unto all nations before the return of the Son of Man. And then the angel goes on to express the rest of it, that born unto you this day in the city of David is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. I share that with you first because that is, and as we find in the Old Testament as well, the gospel of the good news. You got to remember something, brothers and sisters, that the entire Bible, it's not just as you have theological wizards and those that declare themselves to be higher and mightier and know more than everybody else, because there are those. Those are the ones that I have awed against. You have commentators that have decided that they know what God means, and they're going to tell you what God means. And you have theologians that do the same thing. Now, not all that have a theological degree are that way, but you have those that are. And those are the ones that I have issue with. Those are the ones that are going to have to answer for what they speak and what they teach because they don't speak truth. I bring that up because there's a word I'm going to share with you. It comes from both Greek and Latin. And in the Greek, it's... Euangelion, 
Euangelion. That's actually spelled E-U-A-N-G-E-L-I-O-N. In Latin, it's called Evangelium. Evangelium. And in listening to one of my mentors was speaking on this. Well, actually, he wasn't speaking on this particular, but he brought this up. But I like this because if you notice in the middle of that word... If you spell out the whole Latin word, E-V-A-N-G-E-L-I-U-M, and in the Greek, it's E-U-A-N-G-E-L-I-O-N. But either way, you go right smack in the middle of the word. What do you see? If you're not getting what I'm saying, I'll just tell you. Right smack in the middle of it, you have the word Angel. In the Greek word and in the Latin word, you have the word angel. Why is that of import? Well, it's of import because the word doesn't translate the way many people think that it would. What those words translate to, both from the Greek and the Latin, translates to good news. Luke 2, verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping the watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. An angel is a messenger of the Lord. And that word, evangelium, in the Latin and Evangelion, in the Greek, translates to good news. That's all it means, good news. And here's something else. You don't have to go to any kind of special school. You don't have to be specially trained although it would help to have some guidance, but you don't have to go to special class. You don't have to possess a theological degree. You don't have to have any kind of credentials. And this is the excuse that many people give for not witnessing or spreading the good news. And that excuse would be, well, I'm not educated enough. I don't have a degree. I can't this and I can't that and I can't this and I can't that. Now, I'm familiar with court proceedings, and I'm also familiar with things that, that uh, lawyers are not supposed to do this, but they, they do coach their witnesses, not so much in what to say, but how to say it or how to present it. You can get some coaching in that, but the thing of it is that what is a witness? A witness is a teller of what they know or what they have seen. When you 
spread the good news. You share in telling of the good news of what you know. Do you know God? Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know him as your personal savior? Do you know him as your heavenly father? And you should. It's important that you do. God desires a personal relationship with you. Jesus wants to be, you said that's what he came for. He came here and gave his life for us before even knowing us personally. He did that. He went to the cross. And the very ones that he came to save rejected him. And he died. And where did they put the king of heaven? They put him on a cross, not as they did others, but they nailed him to the cross between two thieves. One was blasphemous, degrading, belittling, because all he wanted to do is he wanted to get out of the trouble he was in. And if you're who you claim you are, then save us and save yourself. And the other one chastised him and said, this man is innocent. He does not deserve to be here. We do. Lord, forgive me. And Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise. He took that man because he repented. Brothers and sisters, you can repent from anything and everything. All you have to do is say, yes, I do. And yes, I will. Holy Spirit, let's go. Believe in Jesus. Have faith in God. And Holy Spirit, lead me. Let's go. Show me. In order to witness and tell what you know or what you have felt or what you have seen, and this is what I do. I've shared with you, brothers and sisters. It took me, it took me a while. I'm shared with you already this, it may have, but I'm over 65 years old. I'm heading very soon. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> Hold on to this one, brothers and sisters. Wow, I just I just realized, didn't even think about it. But I am nigh approaching my 66th birthday. Wow, Father God, thank you for blessing me so mightily. Wow, taking pause, can take a sip of coffee. I'll be right back. Goodness, what a blessing. But approaching my 66th birthday, and it took me a number of years to be walking with God the way I should be walking with God. I was raised in church. I knew of God. I knew of Jesus. I knew of the Bible. But now there's a difference. And I always have to remember this. This is something that could be written down and remembered. I believe my mentor even uses this toward the end of his preaching. 
teaching. Is that we, if, you, if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, that you were one way and now you are different. And what gets us here is him, Jesus Christ. So the angel messengers brought to the shepherds good tidings, good news, not just to them, letting them know because they were close by and angels brought good news to anyone that would hear them and listen. And they orchestrated this out to the shepherds out in the middle of the flock, middle of the night, dark out there, and they're out there all lonely and ostracized for all the people or from all the people, but they provide a service and they do things that they want, but yet they don't want them anywhere around them. Um, off times unclean, smell funny. So they're ostracized, they're put outside, but they perform a function. Everybody wants them. Everybody desires to have them take care of things but they don't want them there. The angels, however, came and brought first to them the good news and the glad tidings. And the glory of the Lord shone bright around them. And this, brothers and sisters, comes from other scripture that we are told that the lowly will be brought up, the high and mighty will be abased. And those that are lonely and alone, downtrodden, will be lifted up. So these shepherds who perform a service that people desire or want, but they don't want them around, ostracized and alienated and put out distant from the city because they smell funny. The sheep smell funny. And we used to run into that in the days of the old west where the cattle farmers and sheep farmers had odds and they had shootouts and gunfights over this because the sheep smelled funny. They didn't like sheep. And the sheep, they ate the grass differently and it made them mad. But anyway, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them. Now this, the point I'm alluding to, going to get to it, clarify this for you, is what does the scripture tell us about that? That we are to shine out what God has put into us. Those angels came and they became excited and the glory of the Lord shone bright about the shepherds. That dark night illuminated the light of God God shone out from the angels, the messengers, the witnesses to testify of the good news of the birth of the king of heaven coming to the earth, coming to this plane of existence. Brothers and sisters, 
You don't need to have a theological degree. And you have so many people who say, oh, well, I, I can't. I can't go and testify. I can't go and witness. I can't go and, you know, I can't be an evangelist. I can't, you know, I don't have this. I can't do that. I can't do this and can't do that. Well, there are some really great, mighty individuals. You have, you know, several of my mentors. And, and I know that the pastor at my church that I attend, sorry, Father, of God's house, God's church, where I am in attendance. He has a theological degree. His wife has a theological degree. But the thing is that I love about them, and I've shared this before, is they don't stand up and down on it. They don't jump up and down on it. Some people introduce them sometimes as doctor, such and such, and they give them that honorific. And, and basically, not to detract from them and not trying to do this in any way, shape, or form, so don't get your knickers all twisted up about it, but that honorific that they have tacked on the front of their name, all it is is a piece of paper that's signed by some guy at some building that goes to some university, and he is a chancellor there, which means that he's the head guy and he gets paid more than everybody else does. That's all that really means. That's all it really means. So it's this title that's bestowed by man on another man or another woman because they stayed in school long enough to get that thing. And they might have studied a couple extra languages. That doesn't mean that they're more intelligent than anyone else. It doesn't mean that they have the authority or the right to belittle or talk down to anyone. And yet the ones that I have a problem with, they're those that I call the theological wizards that think that they do, and they practice Phariseeism. They practice talking down to people, they practice looking down at people, and they practice judging people because they are higher and mightier because they're educated. But it doesn't say that you need that. There is nowhere, nowhere, nowhere in the Bible, and you will find in God's truth, that you are required to go to any special school, have any special degree in order to witness and share the good news and practice to be or practice evangelium or evangelium depending if you're speaking Greek or Latin. And some people think that that's a word evangelism comes from that. Well, loosely it does. And what is an evangelist? An evangelist is just a share of the good news and testifies to the good news. That's all an evangelist is or does. So... It's not someone that has a special degree. And then you have those that will make an excuse to that, just like Moses did at the burning bush. And finally, God just had kind of tired of it, sat back, you know, and I get this image of God just kind of sitting back and looking at Moses and Moses, 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 Moses. I get it. I have, I have this whole list. I've been watching you the whole time. I know you don't want to go back to Egypt because you choked that man out and you actually took his life. I have a little problem with that. Although it was done with a good intent and they were going to hurt your, your fellows, but 
they didn't get it. He didn't get it. And he's dead and you're all upset and you don't want to go back there. But here's the thing. All those excuses that you just gave me and that whole list that I have, um, it's not really required because here's how we're going to do this. Here's how I'm going to do this and how we are going to do this. Aaron, your brother, is going to go with you. And he's going to do all that speaking and all the stuff that you don't want to do. And what you're going to do is you're going to carry the stick. That's all you got to do. Just carry the stick. Put it down when I tell you to. Do what I tell you to do with it. And Aaron is going to talk to everybody else about everything else. But here's the thing. You do it the way I tell you to do it. And you tell him the way I told you to tell him. Or we will have problems. Which eventually Moses strayed from and did have a problem. But it turned out well. Anyway. So here's the thing. You don't need a special degree nowhere in the Bible. There is nowhere in the Bible, and I defy any of those theological wizards to find a scripture that said that you need to go and get a degree in theology or that you need to go to a school to be taught on how to do what you know to be truth and share what you have seen and experienced. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters, experience it. Accept that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that he came and he died for the purpose of setting you free, cleansing your soul, saving your soul, and giving you an opportunity to be part of his kingdom. And here's another word that my mentor shared, and I like the way he put this. I love the way he put it, so I'm going to borrow that too. Sorry, brother, but I... Yeah, I took notes and I'm borrowing from him. Borrowing from some of what you said. But here's the thing. What is the word kingdom? Where does that come from? Well, it's actually a shortened version of the compound words, the king's domain. And here's where the potency comes in. To me, that's pretty powerful anyway. But what does Jesus declare? And what does he tell us? Is the domain of the king, the domain of the spirit, and the domain of the Lord is in our heart. His kingdom, his domain is in us and with us all the time. He is coming back as promised that he would so that what all would have an opportunity. But as an ambassador for the kingdom, the king's domain, heaven, as an ambassador of that place, is it not our responsible our responsibility to share about it, to talk about it, to enlighten others to what we know? 
This is why it's important, especially for those who claim to be Christian or take that title. And that we share that thing that we declare. And if you are a true Christian, a true believer, then you do know Jesus. And you do know God. You just don't know about him. But here's the thing. It's very important to know this, that if you know about something, it could be from hearsay. It could be from something that was told. This is why I shared with you um, when Luke wrote to Theophilus. Theophilus was, a, was an educated man. He was a prominent person in the Roman Empire. He also, um, he also ascended and sat as being an emperor in Rome, but he was educated. He also followed scripture. He followed and read the Bible. So when Luke wrote to him, and you see there's an excerpt in Luke, the first chapter, and Acts, the first chapter, is that he wrote to Theophilus, an educated man, on things that he knew, and Luke knew that Theophilus was aware of, but he wrote to him to encourage him enlightening him with other things that Luke also knew and exhorting Theophilus for what he knew that he knew. You follow me? Luke was encouraging Theophilus because he knew that Theophilus knew of Jesus and knew of the things. And Luke was encouraging him by testifying, by witnessing, by being an evangelist of what he knew to be truth and sharing that truth with Theophilus in truth and spirit to do so. That is important because Jesus told the woman at the well about being able to worship God in truth and spirit. And you wouldn't have to go to a specific temple because remember, the Samaritans were not allowed to go to Jerusalem. They weren't allowed in the city. They weren't supposed to be there, except on special occasions. And they couldn't go to the temple because they were, after all, Samaritans. And they were declared unclean by those who thought themselves to be spiritually higher and mightier than everybody else because they had their degree and they had their teaching and they were high and mighty, but they didn't speak the truth. That's the problem. And what we have to know when we walk with God, as I do, and I've been, and I'm going to testify to this, some of the, and I've testified to you some of these things. I'm not going to go in and, and make it a great list of personal things. However, I can, I could. And sometime if somebody wants to hear it, I'd be happy to share them because I have seen many, many, many things. God has put his hand and permitted me to continue my life, continued me to, to go on and brings me to this point here I've shared with you. By all rights and accountability, I should not be in existence at this point in time. But God has other plans. What you think is going to be your plan for life or what you think should be happening 
if it doesn't align with God, then you have to realize that God's ways are higher than your ways and you're not going to understand it anyway. So I still try sometimes and the Holy Spirit tolerates me. God tolerates me. Thank you, Father. Because sometimes I try to figure things out when my finite mind starts spinning too fast and I get these little miniature nuclear explosions going off and it gets me tired trying to figure it out because I can't. I can't figure out God. I don't want to figure out God. I like the way God does stuff. I like the pictures that God shares with me. I like his photo album. And he shares it with me a lot. It's bigger than anything any grandma or grandpa have when they flip that wallet out and you see this line of pictures come out. God's got so many more. But what I really like that he does is his proclamation of sovereignty when he starts doing this stuff all around me. And I look around. Even I live within the city limits. I used to live out in the mountains. I shared this with you, I believe. I used to live in the mountains, in the middle of the mountains, seven miles from a paved road. And you went through a lock gate across private prop across lease land and up into private property. And this was a private mountain resort. I was blessed with being able to be a field foreman up there, which means that I was I was kind of the guy in charge, second in charge after the, the property manager. And I went out and basically didn't do all his stuff because he didn't know how to do any of the stuff that I could do. But I was blessed in being there, out in the middle of all the stuff. And God used to share with me so much going on out there. It was absolutely amazing. One of my favorite things to do is I would take a canoe in the middle of the night and I'd paddle out into the middle of the lake. And there was, it was hard to find sometimes, but there was a small eddy that was out there. And an eddy is just a swirling of water. And I'm not quite certain the causation of it, although I know that what people have said, but I didn't know it. So I just shared what I thought I would know, but I, I wasn't positive. But I just know that I could find it all the time. And what one of my favorite things to do is I would ship the paddle and I would put it in the canoe beside me. And then I would just lay back in the canoe. And I would just look up at the sky. There were no streetlights out there. Nothing overhead that would pollute the sky. The clear vision of the night sky full of stars that you far beyond anything you can imagine being, or you could have met, maybe if you have a good imagination, but being out there with no streetlights, so there was no light pollution, there was nothing there, and just, and that, that small, slight eddy would spin the canoe around, so I wouldn't have to adjust anything, I just lay there, and I got a 360 degree panoramic view of the heaven, and sometimes I'd lean my head up far enough and I'd look at the shore and watch it go around. And sometimes I'd catch the gleaming eyes of critters that were out there reflecting off the bright full moon. God's declaration. And this is what God does. God is, is a God full of surprises. Sometimes, and, and he's done this most recently with me. 
where he just, <laughs> the Holy Spirit came in and said, okay, we're going to sit up here. I got something I got to show you because you've been talking about it, but you've also been trying to figure it out on your own. Just let go, sit down, hang on tight, pull the seatbelt and sit back. <sighs> Blessed yet again. The generosity that he has pours out. I've shared this with you. The vision that was given to me, allowing me to see this as the angel had to open the door to his treasury for me, to his treasure house, had to open it because the door was so huge. There was no way I could. I had to have the strength of the angel to do so. And stepping in that you couldn't see the back wall. You couldn't see the wall to the left. You couldn't see the wall to the right. And you couldn't even see the ceiling. And the shelves were filled with precious metals and gems, which are the testimony from the word of God. It is the gift that he gives. And I could rake off some and I'd fill a basket to come out and bring out and share with you. And in looking back, that empty shelf or that space that was empty is bubbling up like an artesian well, just bubbling up. And then it was refilled. That was powerful, powerful. And his generosity. And God says that he will open the windows of heaven and pour out his blessings onto them who love the Lord. If you are about our father's business and you share the good news, brothers and sisters, you don't require to have in your possession a theological degree. You don't have to have college teaching and journalism so that you can be a commentator and tell people what God meant when he said what he said. Because here's the thing, if God meant it to say, a different way, which is usually what commentators would do. And even some theologians will tell you what God meant, but it's not at all what God said. You with me on that? You following what I'm saying? They want to tell you what God meant because they think they know better what God meant than what you could know what God meant because they have a degree or they went to school. But here's the thing again. Nowhere in the Bible does it say in order for you to testify, in order for you to be a witness, in order for you to share what you know to be truth and what you have experienced, you don't need a degree. My degree, I don't have one. I've told you this already. The Lord my God shares his truth, his knowledge and his wisdom with me and he has imparted some really good knowledgeable things. I have gone to some schools but I don't have a theological degree. I guess it would be nice to have one. I, I suppose, I don't know why. Not really sure why, which is probably why he doesn't allow me to get into school to go. But there is nowhere, and there are churches that require you to be able to do and have these things before you can do anything else. But there is no requirement anywhere Nowhere can it be found in the Bible. So if you have a belong to a church or they're telling you that you have to do this in order to do that, then you need to leave that church. Yes, 
You heard me right. You need to leave that church. Try the spirit and the spirit will take you to where you belong because you do not require any special teaching in order to be able to evangelize, to practice evangelium as it is in Latin or evangelion as it is in the Greek. All that means is good news. The word gospel comes from and is used by the Romans, the good news. They used to do that. The angels came in Luke 2. And they declared to the shepherds who were a lowly lot out in the middle of the fields away from the town because they tended to be dirty. They were taking care of the animals and they smelled funny. So they weren't allowed to come to the city. But the angels went to them first. And the glory of the Lord shone bright around them. And the angel declared to them, Be not afraid, for I bring to you good tidings, good news, that low born this night unto you, <laughs> unto you, in the city of Bethlehem, in the city of David. Yes. Judah. Bethlehem. Born this day. Born this night. I share that good news with you because I am a messenger. And that's what I do. I bring messages. And that message that I give to you is good news that Jesus Christ is born. And further, I had to read this part because, and, and I didn't read far enough down. I apologize for that. But still reading in Luke, as that it talks about what I shared with you, and that it's not just a Christmas carol. So I get tired of people saying that it's a Christmas carol, but it's not. O come all ye faithful. It's a prayerful request. And it talks about the things here and the angels giving them today and telling them uh, in Luke 2, 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Remember that word Christ means anointed of God. The Lord has manifest into this plane of existence, the King of Kings. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace good will toward men. <sighs> wow. And as the angels left, they came into the city. 
And then they too, once they had seen Jesus, what did they do? They had made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And you find that in Luke 2.17. And in verse 18, And all they that heard of it wondered at these things that were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So the shepherds went out sharing what they had been told, what they had witnessed, and what they knew to be the truth. They went out and started sharing it. Lowly shepherds, not educated that we know of, because the scripture didn't share that part. They were shepherds. So people will assume that they weren't. But yet, let's take a look at the other, flip the coin over, and look at those who had education and those that had a some kind of a certificate that was signed by some Yahoo in charge of some school that said, okay, yada, 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 can now be a Pharisee Yada, 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 can now be a Sadducee. Yada, 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 can now join the Sanhedrin. And they can argue amongst themselves and be smarter than everybody else and declare things that they don't really know or have witnessed, but they know about because we taught them that in school. And what did they do to Jesus, who was, who is the truth? And remember what John says? And in the beginning was the word and the word was in God. The word was from God. The word was with God. And he became manifest and came to the earth. I mean, John, the first chapter of John, John 1, 1, tells us exactly who Jesus is, his sovereignty, his deity. And yet those individuals who have these little pieces of paper that were signed for them, because they had questioned Jesus about that before. Oh, what certification do you have? Oh, and you go out and you do all this stuff and you don't seek any attention about it, you don't seek an attaboy, and you don't get paid for doing it, huh, that's just ruining our reputation. Now, we, how are we supposed to charge anyone for anything that we should be doing free anyway? How are we going to charge anyone for it? Because you don't, and your authority is much more powerful than ours because people have declared that. Boy, Jesus, thanks a lot for what you did. That's right. Thanks a lot, Jesus. Because you thought about me before you came down and hung on that cross to die for me. Being beaten nearly to death for me, for my sake, for walking that road. Thank you, Father. So know God. Know Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I share this with you because, and I hate to sound, you know, like an ominous thing and so many people are going to take this, but it's true. Do it before it's too late. Because here's the thing. No one knows the coming, the return of the Son of Man, save the Father himself. The angels in heaven don't even ask God. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? When God decides, he will then call Gabriel and the angels that are assigned to sound the horns. 
and they then will sound the trumpets and the skies will split and heaven will open and the revelation of Jesus, the Son of Man, the King of Kings, no more the sacrificial lamb, but the Lord of Lords is coming and he will be here. And if you wait until that time when you get the inkling and all of a sudden you hear the sound of that trumpet and then you're going to throw yourself down and say, I repent, I repent, I repent. Brothers and sisters, that's a little late in the game. You need to be about the Lord's business now. Spread the gospel, spread the good news, share the word, and you don't have to have a special degree in order to do it. I've already shared this with you. I have credentials that are all the validation that I need or am actually required to have. And that comes from Heaven Sent University, my chancellor being the Lord God Almighty, vice chancellor being Jesus Emmanuel Christ, and my counselor of education and guidance, Paracletos Holy Spirit. That's the only credentials I require and the only validation that I need to have. I don't actually require it, but that's the only validation that I need to have. And the only validation that he requires is what he says. Not what some yabba-dabba down here signs a piece of paper and says, look, you can't barely read my signature, but it's on this really fancy piece of paper that can go into a really nice frame and you can put this on the wall behind your desk so that when people come in, they look up and see. You know what I have on my wall? I just, I, I also have to shindriakula. I have a cross, a wooden cross that hangs on the wall and I have 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. That's what I have on above my desk, the truth. And the truth is that I require no college certificate. I, I guess, I don't know what I would do with mine if I would fold it up or leave it in a folder on my desk or if I'd bother putting it on the wall. But the point of it is, is that I'm doing what God wants me to do now. And it's not required again. I'm gonna share this with you again. There is no scripture anywhere to be found and I would defy any theological wizard. And of course, he'll probably find something that will be interpreted and he's gonna, he or she will tell you that that's what it means because it vaunts them higher and will make them, and it will validate their position. But there is no scripture, nowhere in the Bible, from the front cover to the back cover that says that you re are required a theological degree or any kind of credentials from any school to be a witness, a sharer of the gospel, of the good news, none. And understand this, that the gospel is the entire word of God. It's not just a New Testament. See, here are those things that you have 
man or mammon has decided that you have to have a separation between the Old Testament and New Testament and the gospel is that that's talked about Jesus. Well, that's not entirely true because the gospel, the good news is that the whole Bible is the word of God. The whole Bible tells about it. You can actually go back in the Old Testament and you find Jesus in the Old Testament in a number of places. It talks about not only the prophecy of his being born, but you have encounters with Jesus. You have Nebuchadnezzar. I've shared this with you before. When he's sitting on the throne, he's watching um, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They were thrown into the furnace. And he was sitting there and he got all excited and he was hollering at his counselor. He says, wait a minute. I stoked this thing up so hot that when my guards threw them in, they were struck down and burned. And those, they're walking around and they're loose. They're not even burning. They're not even singed. And, and there's not three of them. There's four of them in there now. And that fourth guy, he is like unto the son of God. What was that all about? That's in the Old Testament. That's in the book of Daniel. I believe it's chapter three. You'll find that the recollection and that restoration in the story of them being thrown in the furnace. Nebuchadnezzar recognized Jesus, the son of God, walking around with his authority, commanding the fire to leave them. And when those three young men came out of the furnace, they were not burned. They did not even smell of the wood and oil that was poured in there to heat that fire so hot. Their skin was untouched. Their hair was not singed. Their clothing was not burnt. And they didn't even smell of the fire. They were smelling clean because they were surrounded by the authority of the Son of God. But Nebuchadnezzar recognized him. That's in the book of Daniel some 700 years before Jesus was even born. Brothers and sisters, have a personal relationship with God because he desires to have a personal relationship with you. That's our heavenly father, our good, good heavenly father. He desires to have a personal relationship with you. He invites you to have a personal relationship. He said, knock and the door will be open to you. I will invite you in and you come and you sit and sup with me. That's an important statement right there. I've shared with you what that term means. It means that you come down and you have an interpersonal relationship. You don't come in and sit down and pull out your cell phone and start clickety-clacking away on games and he's not watching a television show, you are sitting down and you are having a conversation one another with each other and you are sharing an interpersonal relationship, which is what God is about. Come to know that truth. And that our salvation is because of the grace of God, not because you know stuff, not because you have a degree and not because you've been to such and such a school and not because you have this credential or that credential. I shared it with you and I'm going to say it again. There is nowhere that can be found in the Bible anywhere where it says that we are required to have a degree in order to share the truth. In order to speak the truth, 
in order to declare the truth, in order to share the gospel, the word of God. The gospel is the entire word of God. It's not just a separation of the Old Testament from the New Testament. And actually, if you follow the rule of faith, you will find that it's interwoven. I've shared that a bunch of times with you where I've been reading in the Old Testament and then it takes me back to another scripture in the Old Testament and I go there and I'm reading and I can find things. You'll find that Josh, um, Joshua actually encounters Jesus when he's walking on the path that goes down into the Valley of Jericho before they did their thing down there. And he encounters a man opposing him, which just means that they were facing one another. And the other man had his sword out and drawn but didn't attack them. They didn't fight with one another. And Joshua said, not knowing that he might've been from one of the other tribes, because remember I shared with you that number of folks that walked out of Egypt and now Joshua was leading them. And they were going down into this place and he had gone off and to pray and was kind of concerned about things going on. That number over 600,000, over 600,000. And that was just in the nation of Israel. That didn't count those that said, hey, we don't want to be here anymore. Hey, we know who your God is that you talk about. We, we want to come and we want to learn more. So that number increased the swelling of the crowd to more than 600,000. Then, of course, they had the animals and all that stuff with them. So way more. It was a, that was a lot of people to walk around. That's, a, that's the um, population of, a, of a, an entire city. And actually, if you remember back in, the, in Joseph, the story of Joseph when he went in there, and when in nation the people of Israel came they were given the land of Goshen which was uh, which was a uh, kind of I don't know how to describe kind of like a county or a county area or you know they weren't right in the middle of, of Egypt but there was a, a land that was set aside for them because of the famine and all those things that were going on and that was happening so they were given that so now you have this entire population that was living there at one time over 600,000 people walked out of there but the point being is that that Josh was getting ready to go down there and this person that he had saw and then had conversation with him he said hey who are you up here I'm I'm getting ready to go down and, and handle all this business down here he said are you on our side or their side and that person responded and told him no. Well, the captain of the hosts of heaven takes no side. Whew. That told Joshua something pretty intense right there. This guy was in charge of the hosts of heaven. And then as the messengers, oftentimes when you, you had... When angels were encountered by either prophets or others that, that God had them going on, on a mission, and they, and they threw themselves down and began to worship, and, and the angel corrected them and told them, said, you worship God only, you don't worship me. I'm a servant of the Lord the same as you are. You don't bow and worship me. 
except in this instance with Joshua, he was told to remove his shoes because the ground that he was on was holy ground. There's only a specific time that that's done in the Bible. You are either in the presence of the Lord God Almighty or you are in the presence of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the captain of the hosts of heaven, Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel of the good news that Jesus came as the only begotten son of God who died for me, died for you, and he did so so that we might live and have eternal life and that we don't have to be caught up in all this that's going on around us. And as the angels appeared to the shepherds and the glory of the Lord shone about them, we are to shine out that which God has given to us, to shine out that thing, that truth, that knowledge, that wisdom that God gives and shares with us, if you seek it, and he will. Share that truth, shine that light out. Shine that light out. And remember Jesus said, the city on a hill doesn't hide the light. It doesn't light a candle, then stick it under a bushel basket or hide it in some way. When the candles are lit, the candle is put on a stand. It's put so it shines light out into the whole room and it fills the room with light so that others are drawn or can see. Kind of reminds you, what's a, what's a, I can't remember who's saying it. I can see clearly now. And I can't remember who's saying it. And I know that the words are different than what I'm thinking. I can see clearly now that the Lord has come. <laughs> I know that that's not, that's not how it goes. I'm not a very good singer, but. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers, my going out, my coming in. Be blessed this day. Don't think that you have to have some kind of special credential and don't let anyone tell you that you do in order to evangelize and tell the truth that you, you share as a, what you know. And if you know and you're so excited about having been saved and that Jesus came in and changed your life, share that excitement. And if they tried to quench that spirit that is in you for that, it's time for you to leave and find someplace where it's recognized as the truth for what it is. Because if they're telling you something other than that, then they're not teaching truth. They're teaching false doctrine and untruth. You need to flee that place, pray for them that they could repent and turn around, but you need to leave and find you a place to grow where they will allow you to share what you know, that they will allow you to share the truth and knowledge and wisdom of God Almighty and Jesus, his only begotten son, be blessed.